Uh, I'm slightly disappointed that Neil reminded Sarah because I just love it when people do their own introductions from the sidelines and go, your own, your very own. <laughs> so this morning, your own, your very own Joe is going to chat with you. Um, in the cafe, lots of interesting things ha- happen. I've got some fantastic customers. And on Friday, this guy came in. He'd been on holiday the week before. And he said to me, oh, do I need to talk to you about cafes? Do I need to talk to you? I'm like, oh, okay. He says, I went to a service station on the way down to Devon on a bus trip. We went in. There were two pieces of cake left, just two pieces. And we really needed cake. But one of them was priced at 150 and the other three pound. I thought, well, I'm a Yorkie. I can persuade him to give me them both for, for 150. So I took him to the till and he said, hang on, love. These pieces of cake are ID- identical. That one's 150. You've got that marked at three quid. What's going on? She went, listen, love, that's Madeira cake. (laughs) And then his wife said, hey, I told you that yesterday, and it was 175 and 350. (laughs) You know, when somebody tells you a joke, you just can't wait to tell somebody else. I promised my customer I would steal his joke. It is officially stolen. You see, people share jokes because they heard jokes. If nobody told them the joke, they wouldn't tell us the joke. I'm one of those people, if something bad's happened and I tell you about it, you've got to know you're in my close circle of friends. Because I don't tend to broadcast bad news. I'm just not that personality. But if something vaguely good happens, you will get bored of hearing about it from me. If you're walking and breathing and got two legs, I'll tell you good stuff. Because I'm wired to tell people good stuff. Which made me think about the good news that we carry, about the gospel. Because it is good news. See, when I know I'm speaking, I always think, what am I going to talk about? And then nearly every time during worship, God drops an idea into my heart. And I think, oh yeah, all right. And a couple of weeks ago, we were singing, I'll raise a hallelujah. You know mornings, as a preacher, you get mornings where... So much that happens during the worship says everything you were going to say anyway, so you may as well wrap it up and not bother. But because I'm a preacher, I will bother. Because we all like the sounds of our own voices, by the way. You see, I shared a couple of weeks ago what God put into my heart. Because in in the song, I'll raise a hallelujah, there's a lyric in it that says, in the middle of the mystery... And God really just stirred me up to think about what that was. And at the time I shared that I didn't believe that was about, in the middle of our lack of understanding about what was happening around us, but that actually it was to do with God, that it was to do with the wonder of salvation. Now, when you hear something in a sermon, you think, that's really interesting, that's really touched me. Or when you read something in a song, you think, where does that come from? Is that, is that in the Bible? We should study that. You shouldn't ever take my word for what I say. You should go back to the Bible and you should look at it. And you should think, actually, what does that say? You see, when I became a Christian, it was quite a long time ago. And we didn't have electronic devices in our pockets that had more computing power than massive computers. So... I became a Christian, and I started, 
I'd, I'd, I'd had a slow start. I was 18. I'd got a lot to catch up on. So I got myself a Bible and started reading. And then I thought, well, actually, I don't know how everything fits together. A few years ago, I found all my notebooks from the first five years of being a Christian. I took notes on every sermon. I wrote it down. I went back and I read the references. I wish I still had that passion. But there was just something about it, something about the excitement of having found out about God that just captured me. So I bought myself one of these big Thompson Chains reference Bibles. Everybody over a certain age is now smiling. You needed a rucksack to carry it around with you. This was a serious Bible. You knew when you sat down with your Thompson's chain, you were doing business. Yeah, not, not a small, but a big Bible. And I went on a trip to visit a friend who was, she was doing a nursing degree uh, down in Birmingham. And I went down, and because I was dead keen and a young Christian, I went to the CU with her, and, and I'd got this big Bible with me, because I thought, well, I've got all that time on the bus, I can study. So this, this last there just looked at me and went, what you got that for? I beg your pardon? What you got that for? It's a preacher's Bible. You're a woman, you'll not preach. And it had never occurred to me that I might. I got the Bible because I thought I deserved as much chance to study the Word of God as anybody else. Not because I had any view that one day I might stand in front of you and talk to you about it, but because I wanted to understand the amazing thing that I'd experienced. Now today you've got an advantage. If you don't know your Bible very well, you can get on your app and you can go in the search bar and you can type in the phrase and you can find it. And then once you've found that, you've got a starting point to look at other stuff in it. So that's just an aside. That's my long aside warming up. See, that last who laughed at me for having a big preacher Bible was missing the opportunity to dig into things for herself. And actually, when you dig into your things for yourself, you learn more than when somebody speaks to you. That's just a fact. Education people will bear, bear with me with that. So I continued to dig into that phrase that had caught hold of me in the middle of the mystery. So I went to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And before I read it to you, I just want to look at something about that word. The word that Paul uses is a very general word for mystery. It means one initiated, and it comes from the same root as something like a um, mystery or secret doctrine. But when Paul uses the word mystery, he's doing something new with it. Because Paul has found Christ. You see, the initiation, when we become a Christian... It's not into something secret and hidden and closed and limited. Paul's talking about having received a revelation from God. And that's not something that he's going to keep to himself to treasure and hoard. It's something for him to share, to talk about, to write down, to broadcast loudly. So others can hear and follow this revelation that he's had. Do you see what I'm saying? So mystery... Before this is something closed and secret. Oh, this is, this is my piece. No, it's mine. It's my knowledge. This bit here, that's mine. Your hands off it. So, this is what I know because of God. Do you see the difference? So the mystery that we're talking about this morning is this kind of mystery. It's so mysterious, I'm going to tell you all because it's brilliant. 
And that's what happens when something good happens in my life. I tell you all until you're sick of me. And then you're the ones who are going, oh, no, 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 shut up now. I'm reading a book. See, Paul's writing about something which replaces old ideas of elitism. Paul's dismantling barriers between God and, the, and creation. The church isn't a place where personal position or promotion are your goal. Jesus models servant leadership. He washed his disciples' feet. So the church is a body of people from all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of skill sets and abilities, connected by faith in Jesus, all only saved because of grace. So when we become Christians, we make an individual commitment to God, and we choose to stop pleasing ourselves, and we're asking God's forgiveness for the stuff we've done wrong. That's a personal choice. That's you. But God didn't design us to just stay in that you unit. He designed us to be connected in. We're made to be in community. You see, being together in church makes us stronger. Earlier when Julie got everybody down and like sort of said, you know, come and fight your battles. And suddenly I'd been sat on my own and then I was in a crowd of people fighting the battles with me. And then I felt when you all went back to your seats. I had my eyes shut because I was worshipping God, but I felt the bit where you all walked away and I stood on my own. And the bit where we were all together was glorious because we were all together because I was looking at people stood shoulder to shoulder with me, fighting battles with me. It was magnificent because God made us to be together. See, the church isn't a building. It's a collection of people. And all of us are designed to bring something different, something unique, something of value. Who we are as children of God is way more important than anything we will ever do in the church. It's more important than cleaning toilets and speaking and singing. Who we are in God, that identity in him, is the most important thing. Because we're all equally important to God, regardless of what we do. These are massive concepts. See, God's mystery isn't exclusive. It's not meant to keep people out. God's mystery is inclusive. It's the greatest secret that's not a secret because we're meant to declare the glory of God. God's mystery is God's rescue plan for mankind. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes, This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote to you in brief. As you read over what I've written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this, only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcome to everybody across the board. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. 
When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain with what God who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through Christians like yourself, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. So I chose to read this passage in the message paraphrase version. It's not my favorite version to study in, but if you want to read something and get a real sense of the mood of, of what somebody's saying, the message is excellent because it, it takes language and makes it accessible to us. So if you want to read something and just get a broad stroke of it, the message I, I recommend because it says things that we understand, like this is accessible, common ground before God. I love the way it talked about the mystery being for both insiders and outsiders. Because mystery, this word that Paul chooses to use, is about exclusivity. It's about, I know this and I'm not telling you, this is the secret bit. Unless you pass the initiation test, you don't get to know this. But that's not how Paul is. See, in other translations, the insiders are the Jewish people and the outsiders are the Gentiles or non-Jews. So the mystery that God's rescue plan for salvation was for everybody is massive. The insiders, or Jews, had already known God for generations and generations. And their relationship with God gives us a picture of, of, of what Jesus does through salvation. So, so if you were Jewish, you'd have certain feast days and you'd offer sacrifices to cover your sins, the stuff that you got wrong, the stuff you didn't do right, things that you forgot to do, things that you did that you shouldn't. So as a person, you could offer sacrifices to put yourself right with God. The priests would come and offer for the, the whole people sacrifices for all the stuff that fell through the cracks. So at special feasts, the priest would, would make a sacrifice that, that covered the whole people for all that stuff that had fallen through the cracks. You see, when Jesus came, he gave his life to cover all the sin, not just of Neil, which would have been a fair job, not just of this room, that would have been a bigger job, not just of this nation, but of the whole world. So in one sacrifice... All those things that took hundreds and thousands of little sacrifices to cover before to try and keep a relationship with God balanced were just done away with because the sacrifice that Jesus made was so great that it covered everything. That's the common ground. Because Jesus died once for all, that covers everything. That's the mystery. That Jesus' sacrifice could make that gap between God and man go away. 
through him. See, Paul says he's the least qualified person to go to the outsiders, the Gentiles, the people who before Jesus didn't have a chance of having a relationship with God. Why does he say that? Actually, Paul's background is a bit elitist. He was like a Jew, but he was a very educated Jew. He was a Roman citizen. He had a high standing in society. At the beginning, when the church began to grow, Paul persecuted the church. So it's not the obvious choice to go to the outsiders to make them insiders. I might have to stop using this now, outsiders and insiders. Eventually, I'm going to tie myself up and say I'm the wrong way around. So actually, because of Jesus, the people, we're going to go with people now. Because I don't think there's outsiders and insiders anymore. So it wasn't the obvious choice to bring people into that kingdom, to spread the word across the world. But Paul's clear that his equipping and skills came not from himself, not for his own experience, but from God. You see, none of us can rely on our own gifting. Some of us might naturally have the gift of the gab, but that's not qualifies you to speak, not what qualifies you to speak. Some of us might naturally be great builders but in God's kingdom that's not what qualifies you to build Paul tells us that the gifting that he received came out of God's inexplicable riches it's God's riches that give us the ability to do anything God qualifies the called it doesn't necessarily call the qualified this is real. I pinched it, Julie. I have no idea where I pinched it from, but I pinched that one, definitely. Without doubt, I pinched it, but I love it. I've always loved it. You see, it's really important that we understand that our natural abilities are not the thing that God necessarily will use, and they're not the thing that qualify us to do anything. It's only grace. Only grace. Our natural abilities don't matter very much when you compare them to our character and our heart before God. They're the things that God looks at. Why was Paul the right man to go to the Gentiles? Because of his heart. See, God sees the heart, and he can do incredible things through ordinary people. Piece of life advice. Saying yes to God is never a bad idea. If you think God's calling you to do something... If God gives you an opportunity to say, yes, I'll do that, do it. Do it. Because when God puts an opportunity in front of you, it's always the right thing to do. might be scary. But when God calls you, he always supplies the skills that you need to perform the task he's given you. So if God gives you a job to do, don't ever think, oh, I can't do that. I'm little. I can't, I can't stand and speak because I'm a woman and I've got this Bible that doesn't fit me because I'm not supposed to be doing that. If God calls you, he will equip you. Isn't that wonderful? God always sees his plan through, but the resources are his, not ours. You see, Paul had been setting a course of stamping out the church. The Christian church was a threat to his traditional way of life. It was an affront to his religious beliefs. He thought he was doing the right thing in opposing it. But then something happens. He meets Jesus. He's off on a trip to do some stomping on people. 
and he meets Jesus. He has a vision on the road and he meets Jesus. And that meeting with Jesus utterly transforms him. It changes his heart. See, Paul was qualified to preach the gospel to outsiders and bring them in onto the same ground before God because he'd accepted Jesus as his saviour. So it's not about the abilities he carries or his mission. It's about the fact he accepted Jesus. His heart was changed. And God said, that's a heart I can use. That's a heart I can use. I'm going to use that heart. I'm going I'm to use Paul because his heart before me is right. So that when Paul does things in God, he's not saying, I'm doing this because I can. He's always saying, through all, all Paul's re- letters, read them. He says, I can only do this through Christ who strengthens me. I can only do this because of grace. It's never, I can do this because I'm clever. I went to some posh Jewish schools, you know. I've got the school tie. I can do this. I know more than you. It's never that. It's always, I can do this because of Christ who strengthens me. You see, Paul says in this letter to the Ephesians that his job is to bring into the open what God's been doing, to share this plan, to reveal the secret, to publicize the mystery. I wasn't going to say this, but for some reason it dropped into my mind, so you're getting it. Uh, There's a play called The Mousetrap, written by Agatha Christie. I nearly went to see it recently, didn't go and see it. I've heard people who said it was the most boring thing they've ever seen. I've heard people who said it was the most entrancing thing they've ever seen. But this play has run for years and years and years, decades. And they asked the audience not to share the secret. So when you watch this play, you commit to not saying who done it. So theoretically, it's true, Paul, they ask you not to tell people. Somebody must have blabbed, but I've never read what it is, so I remain in, in, in darkness about it. No. But the gospel isn't that kind of mystery. It's not a whodunit. It's a I did it. So I just made that one up on the spur of the moment. It's not a whodunit, it's an I did it. It's Jesus saying, I've done it. I've done it. Come and join me. I've written here, it's not rocket science. The gospel is good news. It's simple because we're simple and God wants us all to be able to understand it. You see, Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians, he's speaking from a place of imprisonment. But he urges us to know freedom and boldness when we share the gospel. See, Paul's telling us to remember the big picture. His current circumstances were that he was imprisoned. But his big picture circumstance was he knew the salvation of God. So despite the details of our life, the stuff which tries to drag us down, and this is, this is what Julie was talking about this morning when she was talking about how we fight our battles, we get wrapped up in the stuff that's happening. So doubt, fear, work, either not having a job or having a job that you hate, relationship problems, falling out with people, falling down when we take our eyes off Jesus and get it wrong. All these things stop us from seeing the big picture. Disappointment, that's one that stops a lot of people from seeing the big picture. I thought it was going to be like this. But God, it's like this. Why? What's happening? Whereas you're either looking at what you thought it was going to be like or what it is like. We should be looking to see what God's saying. See, our daily struggles 
can take us away from focusing on God's plan. But actually, we carry an eternal promise. Even when life's hard, we're still in the middle of that mystery, the working out of that salvation plan. So even when it's hard, we're still in the middle of that big picture. It's happening. Everything good is still real. It's just there's a lot of stuff going off. And God doesn't want us to stress about that. He wants us to rely on him. I was thinking about why we find it hard to believe in miracles. Because we do. When we're in that place and it's all messy and we're battling, we forget. We, we think, oh, miracles. Are there miracles anymore? Are there? Are there any miracles? Next time you think, are there any miracles, find a mirror, stand in front of it, be brave and look at it. Because that person you're looking at in the mirror, if you know Jesus Christ, has been changed by God from somebody who was darkness into light. That's a miracle. Everyone in this room who knows Christ has experienced a personal miracle. That's a miracle. And actually, the belief that we need for the other stuff comes out of that knowledge that first we've received that miracle of being made right with God. So in the doubt times... Remember, find a mirror, and Christ is in you. Let him shine through. The Bible says that once we're darkness, now we're light. That's one state of being transformed into another. That's a miracle. Isn't it amazing? So when you think, actually, I've been a bit dim today. No. The light of Christ is in you. You might have not shined it out very much today, but you've not been dim. It's there. It's there. Recenter, rethink, relook at Jesus. Think this isn't about me and my strength or my ability. Because the miracle of being a Christian is that actually a bad day can turn into a good day like that. When we remember to call out to him. Won't always, but it can. See, sometimes in life I felt a bit lost. Felt like the ground shifted because things didn't work out like I meant them to. I felt like I need to find myself because I've lost my bearings. But sometimes you look at your feet and think, well, where are my feet planted when I lost my bearings? You're not going to find your way out of it that way. Sometimes I look for a landmark. Where was the last time I felt good? Well, I'm sorry, that's looking back. That's the wrong way. And when I've remembered to look up and remind myself who I am in God and what I believe, I've always found myself again because I've let myself be found by him. So I've had a stormy few years. But we sing a song, we believe in God the Father. And it goes through the things that we believe in. And on days when I've had a bad day, when I thought, what do I believe anymore? This is stormy. I can't see my feet, and I can't see the last place I felt safe. Actually, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. They're the things that anchor us. They're the things that make it okay because we've got that faith in us and that faith survives storms. The big picture is that if you are a Christian, Christ is in you. In Colossians, 1 Colossians from verse 27, it says, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. <coughs> Sorry, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love 
so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, Paul's saying something very similar to another church there. Say, know the mystery of Christ, because that's hope and glory in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory, means that our eternal future is secure through Jesus. All the stuff that happens in the middle isn't going to affect the outcome. Our future is utterly secured in Jesus because of the price he paid for us. But it also means that the hope we carry needs to show through in order to attract others to the good news of Jesus. You see, if somebody tells us a joke and we laugh, we'll tell somebody else. If somebody tells us good news, if I tell Megan good news and Megan gets it, she'll tell somebody else good news. That's how the gospel works. It's not complicated. You hear about God, you respond, changes your heart, you tell somebody else. They may or may not respond and it changes their hearts. They'll tell somebody else. It spreads. It spreads. But it's about allowing God to shine through us. It's about remembering to look for that big picture. The Christian faith isn't a hidden mystery kept locked up in a secret closet that we get out on a Sunday. It's a 24-7 knowledge that God's with us. Christian faith isn't a secret sect hoarding knowledge only sharing it with the elite people, the ones that we think are special enough. It doesn't work that way. It's not a complicated collection of rituals. The faith we carry is meant to be shared with everyone. When we broke bread earlier and Paul talked about it, it's a very old ritual. Everything about what we do there when we break bread openly celebrates what Jesus did for us. It reminds us. It's not about closing in on ourselves. It's about declaring to everybody present that Jesus' body was broken for us, for the, for the forgiveness of our sins. When we drink the cup, it reminds us that Jesus poured his blood out for us because of his great love. It reminds us that our current state, if we know Christ, is grace. So, yes, it's a symbolic thing that we do, and it's, it's fair to call it a ritual. But it's not a closed thing. It's not a secretive thing. It's a... Look at what we're doing because of what has been done for us. Look at Jesus' death. Nothing could have been more open. The solution to all our problems was open on a big hill in a public spectacle. I just wanted this morning to encourage you that you're part of a story that's bigger than yourself. That in the middle of the mystery... Wherever you are on that, whether, whether you're having a good bit in the mystery or a bad bit in the mystery, we're walking out that life that we now have in God. And we will have troubles and storms, and we may not ever understand them. There's some things in my life that I don't understand. But I don't need to understand. Because of Jesus, my eternal future is secure, and my everyday walking is never alone. So if I don't understand all the details, does it really matter? Actually, no. No, it doesn't. Because whatever circumstances we face this week, we can carry that hope of glory with us. There's a thing that happens. Today, someone took that glorious leap of faith and said yes to Jesus. I thought about it for a couple of months before I did. 
I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I jumped, God would catch me. And that's one of the glorious things about salvation. You're not sure, but I've never known anybody reach out to God and ask him to save them and not go, get it now. And when you first get it, you'll get it a little bit. And then you've got years and years of years of God proving his goodness to you where you get it a bit more and 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 a bit more. And the one thing I will guarantee is I will never understand God as long as I'm on this earth fully. When I see him face to face, the Bible tells me I'll understand. Because I see him, I'll see the whole thing. And until then, the things I know will be part, in part. So I'll see in part, I'll know in part. But my experience of 30-some years of walking with God is that I know more now than the day after I gave my life to him. But the day after I gave my life to him, my salvation was just as tangible and real and life-changing and incredible as it is now after 30 years of finding out more about it. It's a great adventure. It's a great adventure. Can I have the band back, please? You see, it's a great adventure when you set out, but it's a great adventure still when you're on the road. So... My challenge this week to all of us, myself included, is that in my actions and words and deeds, I try and make Jesus known. That I try and let that hope of glory shine through me this week. Now, no Monday morning will hit and something stupid will happen, but God's only ever a prayer away. So so this week, as we enter this, this season of prayer and fasting, and been expectant. I think God's calling all of us to think a little bit about what that means when we say that we're a Christian, about the fact that that hope of glory is in us, the fact that we have that great mystery, that gospel to share. We've got something to shout from the rooftops. We've got something to share with our friends. We've got something to show in our actions. So for all of us this week, I think that's the challenge. But for anybody here who hasn't yet made that leap of faith and found Jesus just encourage you to do it just do it it's so worth it there's a prayer we pray I'd like us all to pray it together because even if you've known the Lord for years and years and years it's good to remind ourselves of the fundamentals of of who we are and where we are because of who we are in God so I'm just going to pray this I'd, I'd like you all to join if you will and then hand back to the worship team Lord Jesus I know I've done things wrong in my thoughts, words, and actions. There are so many good things I've not done, and there are so many wrong things I have done. I'm sorry for those wrong things and turn from everything I know to be bad. You gave your life for me on a cross. Gratefully, I give my life back to you. Now, I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to clean me. Come in as my Lord to lead me. And I will serve you all the remaining days of my life. If you pray that for the first time this morning, find somebody and talk to them and share that great step of faith that you've just taken.
Heart and lead me 
our life on you because of that mystery of you dying on the cross for us and forgiving us our sins. Lord, we we thank you that we belong to you and we just want to say thank you this morning for everything that you do and everything you are to us, Jesus. Amen. Uh, This morning, as you probably already noticed, we're serving coffee over here, right, rather in the back. You are really welcome to stay and have coffee with us if you're a visitor. If you want to have a little peek in the back, some new things happening in the uh, lower mezzanine. What? Yes. Oh, we're going to open the mezzanine, apparently. So you don't have to stay in here with your coffee. You can go and still fellowship in the mezzanine area tonight at six please be there Uh, it's an amazing time uh, in the live lounge again that will be in the mezzanine if you're new to us and you want to find out a little bit more if you go over to the connections corner uh, Colin is waiting there he'll answer any of your questions god bless